It's me. Welcome back to Fat and Black in Texas. My name is Nikki Devon. I am your hostess. I am sitting here today with BN. She's my very, very good friend. She's a bomb-ass Black woman living on the West Coast right now, and we have been dying to have a candid conversation about all the shit happening, not just in the U.S., but just within our own lives. And so, inviting her here just seemed like the move. BN, welcome. Please tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Please. Thank you. Well, wow, that interesting introduction that was solid um you nailed it all things no uh (laughs) (laughs) i'm very happy to be here and very excited to be talking with you nikki devon who i've known for going on six years now what i met in austin at my bar just being a cool ass black lady and we've stuck uh with that and that's really cool that's rare yeah it's really (laughs) yeah it's hard i it's Every time I meet somebody, specifically Black women, but like some really honestly just people of color, period, but specifically Black women, I'm just like, hello, hi, hello yeah. there, hello, <laughs> hi. Would you like to be my friend? Hi, there are not a lot of us. Please be my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> like, we like grow your night. Like, I see you. You see me. Yeah. I'm, I'm seen. Yeah. I feel seen. It's interesting because yeah. you did mention now I am living on the West Coast. Uh, I'm originally from the Midwest and lived in Austin for about, what, four years? I was only there for like a hot minute, but the hospitality was on point and nothing that I didn't expect, you know, coming from the Midwest. But I, I will be a little remiss to say like out here is a different climate and it's uh it's different. I will say it's definitely different. You don't have that same vibe uh, from us out here that you find really? in the South. Oh yeah. It's, it, oh, no, wait a minute. Wait, hold on. It. Stop. <laughs> wait a minute. I was, I had a whole, I had a whole little, you know, a whole little outline that, <laughs> that I wanted to start with, but I want to talk about this. So like, is it, is it, that they're not friendly or like, all right, what's the, what do you. Okay. So my, my general assessment, let me, let me give it to you in a framework that, it, that I'm coming from. This is my perspective. Because okay. when I moved to Austin, I was, I was a little jarred. I, I came from Kansas city, Kansas city, Missouri is where I grew up, lived my whole life, was mm-hmm. raised there, born in Chicago, but raised in Kansas city. And there's always this nice homey feel about being in the Midwest. Everything is just so okay. Everything is, you know, very comfortable. Um, And people are genuinely just friendly, except there are always those little dangers that are lurking around the corner that, you know, growing up, you want to learn about and that you have to know. Growing up in Kansas City, they don't call it kill a city for no reason. Oh, shit. And that's, you know, with the the climate of of growing up in a town that is rather dangerous, especially to women uh, in certain in certain respects. So now I moved to Austin, polar opposite, because everybody is very, not only friendly, but genuinely friendly. Like <laughs> I can accidentally walk into somebody's house and not get shot. You know? yeah, I mean, there's that, there's that. There's that. Cause you couldn't do that in Kansas city. You don't just accidentally walk into somebody's house and they just like, cool with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that, that was, that was a culture shock for me when I lived in Austin because it wasn't just that people were cool. They really are cool. They were like, yeah. you, you with us, you are part of our community. If you, if you hear, you fuck with us. And so I was always just very cognizant of that coming from the Midwest and being in the South. Cause I was like, 
that southern hospitality is serious yeah yeah we don't <laughs> look we don't fuck around we don't nah. fuck around with this it it's really interesting because texas is texas and texas be texasin and it's <laughs> so you know texas be texasin so there is always some fucked up shit happening and there's always some you know racist bullshit but the thing that is consistent in Texas that I have found is this, this politeness, this Southern hospitality, like some of the biggest microaggressions I've ever been on the other end of have been from the most polite racists. So polite, so nice, super racist and prejudiced, but very nice. And you come to Austin and now that race, not, not, not that Austin doesn't have racism, sure. but like, you know, 80% of that, Tech, that normal Texas racism is sloughed off and you just get cool ass people that are genuinely nice and cool yeah. and laid back and chill and happen to be Southern and are like, oh, you want this? Take this. You want to come to my house? Come to my house. You want to sleep on my bed? Sleep on my bed. You like can it's, have it. It's yours. It's fine, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah. We don't fuck around. No, and that, that, I mean, Kansas City, you know, it's, it's population wise a lot more Blacks than you find in both oh. Uh, where I'm at in Portland, and if you combine the two, you would still have more Black people in in Kansas City than you have uh, the population combined. And so, uh, my thing was is that it wasn't so much of there's a lack of representation; it's just how people are in general, right? Uh-huh. And so, the the thing that I gather the people are in general in Austin is real fucking laid back, real chill. They caught that vibe because mm-hmm. then they'll be the ones to tell you, hey. You black, you cool. Stay your black ass out of Viter. Stay your black ass out of Jasper. And we your cool white friends. And we going to tell you that shit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, no, we don't do that. We don't go to Wilco after dark, no, we sweepy. Don't do we don't we do, do that. that. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do and that. I can appreciate that versus, you know, being in the Midwest. And especially let's talk about Missouri where I grew up. St. Louis, Kansas City, polar opposites. But that's all of the country knows about Missouri. And you want to talk about they try to say which one can be who outraces the one. <laughs> oh, wow. I did St. not know Lewis that. It's way more segregated than Kansas City, but then Kansas City, Kansas City, people don't know this, is credited with being the city that created redlining. What? I did not know that. Man. I did not know that. J.C. Nichols was the pioneer of, and I have a theory about this because I've lived in several different places throughout my life and and it's something about the east sides Um, Mm -hmm. there's a dividing line amongst Mm -hmm. this country on the east Mm -hmm. of 35 baby that Mm -hmm. that that gentrification uh what is it so special about the northeast i live in south portland but the northeast part of portland is the black popular <laughs> <laughs> and i live in kansas city same northeast east side yeah east side what's up with the east side you know but um yeah kansas city kansas city has a history of like these weird segregation you know details in its in its uh history but what i was thinking about was the population of people i grew up around obviously a lot more black people if i'm yeah. in kansas city and it's a lot more black population people but that is the most self-segregating town. Desegregation did not end until I graduated high school in 1990. What? <laughs> oh, that's some Texas shit. That's some separate prom shit happening in 2002 <laughs> type shit. I, I I damn. 
see, it's really it's funny because I think that, well, I'm only going to speak for myself, but for sure, I definitely get caught in this um, rhetoric of the South is the South is where racism was invented. I mean, that's it. But, you know, like, it's like I get caught in this, like, yeah. no place is as racist as the fucking South. And that's not true. It's just we're fucking bold with it. They're real bold with it down here. But I forget about just like decades and decades of institutionalized racism is across the fucking country. That is not like we don't own that shit in the South. And sometimes I have to be reminded of that because I be forgetting. Like, because I, you, you, I hear when I hear people talk about St. Louis, I hear people talk about Kansas City. I, I immediately am jealous because I'm like black people, you know, like it's like the same, it's like the same, the same longing I feel when I go to Houston. I'm like black people, you know what I mean? Like I feel that ache to want to, you know, be around my people. So I forget that that racism is fucking deep. Well, and you know, this is also crazy. When I I was so embarrassed when I lived in Texas, this was uh, after Michael Brown happened and Ferguson in 2014. This was uh, shortly following that, may have been the next summer in 2015, but I was still living in Texas when the NAACP had issued a travel advisory uh, traveling through the state of Missouri uh, during 2000. You can look this up um, because of so many incidents that have been happening to black people, queer people, LGBTQ, uh, brown people, anybody traveling through the fucking state. They put a travel advisory. And it's interesting because I live in Oregon. And I go, I get this idea that when they see black people out here, they're like, how do you like it? You know, I used to get that question, you know, differently when I was in Texas, like, where are you from? <laughs> but yeah. out here, they see black people and they're like, how do you like it? Like, it's a, 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 a question within a question because they, I think they know that they have such a racist history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they wonder what is appealing to people that don't look white. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever lived in a state that actually put out an advisory for your traveling? I mean, you can say which state is least racist, but they're all racist. All of it. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny because I honestly, until, I mean, I knew a little bit about Portland's history as far as, you know, you know, I knew a little bit about, you know, racial issues in Portland. I didn't know how deep it was or how bad it was until recently. A lot of that is because, or you know, other than just me kind of not educating myself the way I should, but a lot of it is because all we hear in Austin is how much alike Portland and Austin is. You know what I mean? Like, like, I, all I've I've heard it's like oh Portland is just like Austin. Oh Portland is like a mini Austin. I oh, Portland is just like Austin. It's like, okay, you know the brand Cheerios, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So growing up, sometimes your mama couldn't always buy Cheerios, but she knew you liked the Cheerio <laughs> flavor. So she bought you Tastios, right? And so you Bitch. had Tastios. <laughs> you did not just call Portland the great value version of Austin. Yes. That is not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> I showed it. <laughs> They off brand. It's the off brand version. <laughs> 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 Everything 
something you think of, you think of, and then you could go Portland and go, oh, watch, you gonna see it. <laughs> oh my it fucking is god! Random <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's the off-brand of the Pacific Northwest because then you'd be thinking about Washington has these <laughs> mountains and <laughs> majesty and rivers. <laughs> And then you like you skim over Portland and be like, oh wait, oh, <laughs> oh my god! I have, see, I have I've only Beautiful been to Portland here, but it is ratchet culturally. <laughs> I have only been to Portland once, and I don't remember it because it was, I, I mean, it was so long ago, and I don't even to this day remember why I was there. It was so long, and I'm sure I was high most of the time. I don't know. I don't remember. My point is, as a lucid person, I have not been to Portland, so I have no point of reference. It's beautiful. I, it's absolutely gorgeous. That's but so are you not so so okay, so are you I mean I'm gonna ask the question that I get asked all the time. So like do you have any black friends in Portland? Uh, <laughs> my one black friend is moving to New Orleans on Wednesday. God damn. <laughs> He's been my my strongest black friend for the whole year and a half I've lived here because I've actually lived in a pandemic longer than I've lived working. And when I moved here last summer, last July, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I, I took a vacation. I was off for like three months and I was like, hey, kicking <laughs> it. I'm going to figure this out. Ooh, Seattle. I could go over there. <laughs> and I, my daughter was living in Long Beach, California. And so uh, I was just chilling and I didn't even start working until like November, like October, November after I moved here. And then we went into quarantine in March. So I've been in quarantine longer than I've been here long enough to uh, establish okay. anything. But I do have family that's out here too. So I have like well, some good. kind of, you know, I've got some, some stuff going, you know, well, I have some family out here that I'm pretty distant, but you know, we've been in contact, but, um, no, all the friends that I made before I came out here, they were all industry, uh, service industry folks. So oh, okay. bartending and, you know, working in the hot restaurant industry and doing all that shit. But yeah, uh, no, it's it's definitely, you, you're very aware. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And actually, this is a good segue because I wanted to ask you, like, honestly like how your COVID living has been up there like how because I find that like okay so for me COVID has been difficult because I'm an extreme extrovert right so you know if I am forced to sit at home then if I'm not careful you know, I my I pout like a five year old by just not doing nothing. So it's like if I can't do what I want to do, I ain't doing shit. Like you know what I mean? Like no so how? I mean, like what's been? I have three. So what's been the hardest part about COVID for you and quarantine and all that stuff? Um, and what's been the most surprising adjustment? Like you know, in times like this, there have been a couple of times where I've been like, oh bitch, okay. okay you just you took that on the chin very well and then (laughs) third one is there been anything really great to come out of quarantine for you yeah oh man wow uh let's start (laughs) with the first thing what what has been the most uh i guess uh i will say being out here in quarantine i would rather be here in quarantine than in missouri 
or even in Texas, even though I won't be around you, I won't be around you. But you don't, you don't grow weed like they grow out here. Oh yes, <laughs> weed game is that. That was so. Part of me moving out here was to learn about getting into the industry, and I took it upon myself, just like I've done in every facet of whatever I've chosen to do, whether it be bartending or you know political shit. Like I've done political stuff and campaign work, but I wanted to get into the weed industry and learn how how it works and and start growing my own stuff and so that was part of the reason why I came out here and then now that we've been in quarantine what I've been doing the most of is smoking (laughs) 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 it's my favorite thing to do uh I smoke all kinds of things I roll my own joints now Uh, (laughs) I know (laughs) I'm growing I'm growing man I've I've been smoking since I was 15 years old and I didn't know what the fuck I was smoking until I was, how old am I? I'm going to be 42 in December. <laughs> so 41. <laughs> hey, listen. Listen. The last time I actually smoked a joint, I was still having to pay the dude that I was getting the weed from to roll it for me. I was like, uh, can I get that shit pre-rolled, please? Cause, how about you? <laughs> yeah, because your girl don't know what she's doing. <laughs> oh, and you want to know something? That's the beauty of how this this game works out here because it's sickening. You can't roll a joint? That's fine. They have packs of pre-rolled joints for you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It's just, it's great. Um, so there's that. Uh one of the most frustrating things during quarantine is definitely not being able to be around your friends and like yeah. hug people. But I know that feeling. I'm an extrovert too. Mm-hmm. And it, I found myself, okay, you love this nigga. <laughs> I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> Look, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. Okay. I talk to myself constantly <laughs> go ahead what we be talking about <laughs> i asked myself i was like and then i was like yeah that's how you do that bitch <laughs> like oh. somebody was gonna be there to be like uh-huh yeah girl <laughs> yeah you sure did you did that you did, you did that it. so i talk a lot to myself i have to be careful not to answer myself <laughs> i you know what i find myself doing so every day i wake up and you know you know, I'm currently grieving. So like my days when I wake up, they vary. They, some days I wake up, I'm like, yes, bitch, get up, get it. Let's hit, let's kick this day in the dick. Let's go. (laughs) Other days I wake up and I'm like, what's the point? So on days like that, I lay in my bed and I out loud, out loud in my bed by myself, be like, all right, bitch, that's what you're going to do. You're going to get your ass up. Go on there, wash your ass, take a, wash your, brush your teeth, wash your face. We're gonna come back in here, and then we're gonna regroup. All right, put your head, look, get, dap yourself out. All right, get your ass up. Let's like talk out loud to myself. Get your get your ass up. Get yeah. your ass up. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes even when I'm just by myself. I like have conversations with myself. Like, so if I would have said this, that they would have said that. that <laughs> That's could, what I'm talking about. <laughs> that couldn't be me. Or if I see a video, I'm like, oh, bitch, I wish she would. Cause I would say this. And this, happened, and this, happened. So this is how that would have went. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> okay, good. I'm glad that we all, I'm not, I'm not alone in the world with the, okay, good. I'm glad to have learned that during quarantine, I'm not. <laughs> You're not, and I, I mean, I have a roommate, but my roommate got a job. So I can't, <laughs> so I can't come Jamie. downstairs like, hey girl. What you, what you doing? You working? Okay. okay. All right. I'll go back upstairs. Okay. How about now? Like, I can't. Yeah. No. Um, I'm grateful I don't have roommates during this time. I think I would have mm-hmm. either killed or have been killed probably Fair. a couple times <laughs> during this time. Fair. I was living with a couple, though, before, when I moved out here, just temporarily until I found my, my own space that were married but they were open they were they were open oh yes ma'am i couldn't wait to get the fuck out of here (laughs) (laughs) oh my god my thirsty ass is like tell me more i know but you don't want to (laughs) know i would no it was that's a lot that's a lot it's a lot lot. but i think like you know that's a whole another that's well that's part of a conversation we're gonna have but I don't know Uh, I'm glad that I didn't I don't live with roommates during this time but what I have been surprised to learn is that I can and have cooked multiple meals uh every single day for weeks I used to break it up in like working in the restaurant industry you'd be like I can just order this and take it home it's a burger you know I ain't gotta cook for myself but now all I do is cook for myself because I don't trust other people. <laughs> See, listen, I tried. I tried for so long. I tried for so long. I was like, all right, bitch, look, you do not want the Rona. So you don't just have to, you have to sit your extroverted ass down and you're going to have to just cook your own food. Are you going to like, you can't, you cannot trust other places. And then I was sitting at home one day and I started crying because all I wanted was a fucking P. Terry's hamburger. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, of all of the burgers, of all of the burgers and all of the things that I can cry about, that was the thing that I was like, I just want a fucking burger. And my I sister, in her infinite wisdom, was like, then go get a burger, bitch. Just go get the burger. <laughs> I was like, no, what about the Rona? And that was just like, <laughs> and that was my like, fuck it. I'm kicking the door in. I'm getting other food. <laughs> but it's hard. It's it hard. Is. It is so hard. hard. It's so hard. Um, no, when you when you get on that kind of wave, I'm like, and I fucking, I mix it up. It's like some days I'll feel like ramen. But then I got some frozen broccoli or some shrimp I could throw in there too, and just like, yeah, I'm Legassi. Gourmet, gourmet noodles, gourmet, gourmet, gourmet noodles, gourmet, gourmet noodles by B. Gourmet is for fancy people. We gourmet up here. We legend. Um, okay, oh, what else about my this? wine. I'm sorry. Oh, you drinking wine? <laughs> what kind of wine are you drinking? Listen, I'm drinking <laughs> the delicious, Ooh. the vintage okay. Trader Joe's 399 oh. red blend. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I can smell it's, it from here. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's you know with aromas of I don't know berries and shit. I don't know. Right. It juice. costs. Yeah, grape juice. It costs three ninety nine. I like it's that two buck chocolate. Delicious, and it no, doesn't it give is. me, and it doesn't give me a fucking headache. Which yeah, 
people sleep on good shit. They always think this is this is the biggest lie ever told anybody is uh, when you think it's more expensive, look for the cheaper alternative because that's going to be the best shit. I promise you. I mean, I promise the, it's going to be been- the best shit. You put it in front of people. There was a, a and I've done this before because I've, you know, I'm a stoner and I work in restaurants. And so, of course, I fucked up orders. But like somebody <laughs> brought out a $500 bottle of wine versus an $18 bottle of wine. And nobody could tell the difference. I mean, <laughs> until look- it came to the bill and I was like, oops. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. <laughs> I will never forget one night I was in, I was at the Driscoll Hotel. And we were having one of our infamous slitter days. And this guy was like, um, let me get a, a 25 McAllen or 24, Mc- whatever the fuck it's called. So like one of them $300, $400 shots. Yeah. And I was like, he was like, you want me to get you one? I was like, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Or you could just give me some Jack Daniels too. I'm easy. Whatever. He gets me this, you know, however many year old McAllen. It might have been 18. I might be overreacting, but and he was just like so proud and so like it was such a big deal to get this shot and then i tasted it and it tasted like fucking everclear it was just crown yeah i'm like this tastes like old hennessy i don't understand and pennies like i don't understand what the fuck is the big deal and why you pay so much money Maybe I don't have a refined palate, but you know what? You can have this shit back. <laughs> you, can, you can hand me something. You can some, go ahead and give me some jack. Or go some ahead. bullet. That's, that's just, I, don't, in my, in my cup. I, I don't need this shit. You can have that shit back. That Thank Bougon, you. McCallon, nope. I yeah. don't need it. No. I ain't gonna be able to taste nothing for four days. Take this shit back. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't like that. It's a bunch of bullshit. Trust. It is. It is. So, so during the other thing I wanted to ask you is like, you know, re-COVID is, are you struggling with your creativity? Because I personally am struggling with my creativity. So I like to talk to other creative people and just see what their temperature is as far as creativity goes. No doubt. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think you're a creative person. I'm a creative person. And when we kind of get stuck in a box, we're stifled and we're kind of like spinning, like, what do we focus on to be creative or what can I use mm-hmm. as a creative outlet? And mm-hmm. I, I picked up, it's funny because uh, when the last time I was in Austin, I'm sorry, I miss you. It was uh, during June. I went down there just for a quick visit to see my family and I came back to Portland, but I was down there and I bought these earrings. In fact, I got them right here. I bought these earrings down there. Mm-hmm. My favorite off of airport at MLK is a hair store. Oh, Kingsmart. Kingsmart. That's the Kingsmart. one. Kingsmart. 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 I went out there and I always go there because, you know, I like hair. And um, we always Because, <laughs> you know, I like hair. Because, you know, I like hair. I got to see what they got. And uh, <laughs> they always have these really cheap, cute earrings. Oh, yeah. So I found these earrings, but they just didn't sit right. And so when I brought them home, I pulled them apart. I took them all the way apart, you know, yeah. and I was like, how do I get these fuckers to sit right? And then I put them back together and I was like, oh, that's it. And so I started making these earrings. I started just fucking around and girl, like, check it out. I made a whole fuck ton of earrings. <laughs> Are make, you fucking serious? I make them and let me grab you the. Oh, shit. That's like, oh, OK. So, you know podcast people what you can't see is that brandy uh she has like it's like a whole board 
full of earrings that are cute as fuck. Oh my I mean, god, those are so cute! Oh, those black and gold ones, though. Those black and gold I ones. I know. I know. I'll send you a picture of all of them. Listen, um, but <laughs> anybody that knows me knows that I'm a sucker for earrings. I know. <laughs> I can't live without them. I, I can't leave my house without them because yeah. I got a big old head and I need <laughs> earrings. Well, and they look good on you too. I so. love them. I love you them. The flyest style. You actually inspired some earrings that I actually found, and I was yeah. like, "These are my Nikki Devon." Yes, <laughs> these are my Nikki Devon. These are inspired <laughs> by the Queen, the, the Queen, the Goddess. Check them out. No, oh my God! <laughs> Listen, when I look, named them after you. <laughs> I will take it. I will. T- I am a lunatic about my earrings. I admit that about myself. I recognize. Yeah. I recognize that I am a little over the top when it comes to earrings. I understand that. But you know what? Listen, I, first of all, most of them came from fucking Sam Moon, side note. But the one pair earrings that I get the most, like the most compliments on anytime I have them on, I got them from Chicago for $2. Yeah. In the gay district. This really, this really cute, fucking store whose name i can never think of but they were two dollars and i get yeah 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 yeah. it's um it's this gay store that i can't remember the name of and it's got everything it's got earrings it's got drag queen jewelry downstairs is a thrift store and they have all this vintage shit downstairs and then they got like in the back they got wigs and makeup and shit it is dope i wish i could remember the fucking name (laughs) of it you think that i'd be better at this so you so you're doing so you're you've you've been able to keep your creativity going doing jewelry the thing was is that you know obviously working in hospitality my biggest fear was going back out there and i don't want to and it's because not so much like i've given up on my career it's just that we don't know how right what and if I'm just not one of those people that's going to pretend like we're not in a fucking pandemic, you know? Right. And if people would want to go out and not observe the rules or socially distance or, you know, keep keep any of those kind of things in mind for not only their benefit, but my benefit as well, then, you know, all bets are off. I just wanted to do something that didn't require me having to be in the public, which I love. I love being in the public and I'm mad. Right. I can't do you know, my work. Um, so a lot of people, you know, in my community and hospitality, they started taking to like Instagram or started doing like, um, you know, at home or from a particular location, just like demonstrations or zoom call meetings or like zoom bartending things. And I thought that was really kind of cheesy, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, at a certain point that just, Nobody wants to see that shit. And so what I what I did in response to that was I started uh, another Instagram page. This is this is what I've been doing to keep creative. I started another Instagram page called Queen Luther, Queen Luther Palace, Queen Luther Presents. And all I do on there, I've created this character and all she does is talk about cocktails. You see, (laughs) because you could take a couple ingredients and mix them together. But whatever you come up with, that's your business. It's your shit. It's what you do. Okay. Shake it, bitch. Shake it. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm, but it's to music that I make 
on my on my fucking phone, like a couple little like tink tink beep beep. And <laughs> it's just me talking over <laughs> the beat. Oh my god. Instructing you how to make a margarita, darling. Because okay. I feel like it. <laughs> Well, I am going to follow that. Uh, and I need you to tell me what it is again so I can follow. I <laughs> it's uh, Queen Luther. Queen Luther. Okay, I'm putting... Okay, and the other thing I want to ask you, are you... um, Are you selling your jewelry? Um, That's another thing I'm working on. I've been attempting... It's like when I used to be like a... I called myself like a little part-time pot dealer. It was like... I get high on my own supply. And because we're in a fucking dumbass <laughs> pandemic, <laughs> what I actually have been doing is been sending them out to my girlfriends just as gifts, as little like oh. reminders. Hey, hey babes, you guys, you, it, that's why I keep asking you to send me your address, though, because I have things to send you. I'm so but. slow. I'm slow. <laughs> it's okay. I'm slow. So I have attempted to sell them, yes. And maybe I've sold maybe a handful of pairs, but I just sent out my mama some last week. I said, I'm my friend Veronica. So. <laughs> like, Take my shit. Take it. I'm like, don't you think this is cute? How much is girl? Don't worry about it. Just let me see this. <laughs> just, just take these. Yeah, I have the same problem. I Oh, side note, Mariah, my producer, found the name of that store. It is called Beatniks. I All don't right. know why I keep fucking forgetting. Beatniks. Nice. It's called Beatniks. It is Beat in, Chicago. in Chicago. It's in Boys Town. It is fucking dope it is such a cool fucking store and they are so lovely and they're so nice every single time i go to chicago i go to this fucking store and just like buy shit that i don't need (laughs) (laughs) but i have to go because they have the bombest earrings and i love them they're called beatniks thank you mariah they need to give you some little ad time because you just gave them a whole bunch of I mean, <laughs> shit. Just push them up. <laughs> it'd be it'd be great if I could remember that. <laughs> you know, when I have this conversation again, I'd be like, "Is this store? I can't remember the name of it." Oh, that one time I went to. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So, okay, I have been itching any opportunity for me to talk candidly with another woman of color, specifically another black woman about things that are going on in the world, whether it's a difficult conversation or not, I always revel in it just because if it feels good, one, to know I'm not alone. (laughs) And and two, you know, it's nice to just hear how other people are coping. So, you know, a lot of the reason, you know, again, I have lots of things that are going on in my life that, you know, people know about, but, you know, I'm also just constantly, it It feels like we can't catch a break and it, and it feels like the climate for Black people right now is especially difficult. So like the whole Breonna Taylor thing is just like stuck. It's like, I cannot fucking let it go. I cannot let go. I can't let go of the fact that like they're not charging anybody with murder. I can't, like I cannot let it go. And it, and it, it's just this reminder of how little black women are protected and how Man. little we are thought of, even though we're trailblazers, even though we like, there's so much taken from us as far as culture, as far as, you know, you know, not just culture, but everything, everything just like, but specifically 
culture. You know what I mean? Like anything that you see that comes in in vogue, for lack of a better way to say it, is something that is taken from a black woman, whether it's our mannerisms, the way we speak, our our flavor, everything about us that makes us so incredible, everything about us that makes us so special, everything that makes us the trendsetters, yeah. the standard. You know what I mean? Right. So people get a lot of inspiration from us. They take a lot of things, trends. Thank you, Mariah. See, I can't even make up words without my <laughs> producer. Trends. Trend. Yes. Yeah. Stem from us. And our swagger and our flavor. And so, you know, there are so many ways that we are, whether it's intentionally or not, giving. And I don't see that same love given to us. You know what I mean? And and I just, you know, whether you're a trans woman of color, like just... It, hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it's I'm, hard to put your finger on, on just one thing because there's just so many... I struggle. Yeah. I struggle. I struggle. My, uh, this very, very sweet, you know, this very, very sweet girl that, that is a performer in Austin. Her name is Tula. She put out a thing on her stories the other day and it just broke my heart. And she was just talking about like how hard it is to be a black woman and how hard it is to see, you know, how we're treated and what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of it, she was like, you know, everybody needs to check on our, check on your black friends. Cause we are not okay. Check on your black female <laughs> friends. Cause we are not okay. Nah. You know what I mean? Like nah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so how have you been navigating just like, you know, for myself, it is, I don't always feel safe. You know what I mean? It's emotional and mental fatigue. It's not feeling okay to be vulnerable in certain spaces. Just this is so how how are you navigating it? Especially being in Portland. Like how are you navigating all of this? Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like before I even came out to Portland, I started a process of dismantling. And I say that because um I'd always have this in the back of my mind, especially working with the public uh, in the profession I do, where it's mostly male dominated, it's mostly white male dominated. We're talking about bartending. We're also talking about in the world of hospitality, where you have to be a person that genuinely loves taking care of other people. And that isn't something that a lot of people possess. Some people are possessed by wanting to do the greater good. I'm one of those people. And so... um, but I'd have been already in this kind of wave of dismantling because I always start having these conversations unprompted with other people that weren't black or that didn't know me about reparations. Just, mm. <laughs> I was okay. just, start, and I think about this, it goes back into my work history because having worked in the service industry and there's still this going on in Texas where people are making only two thirteen an hour and expected to live off of that, but not right. understanding like that, that is, that is, beyond reprehensible and how do we come around that and my solution to that was reparations and so I was already Mm -hmm. having these conversations about reparations before all this happened and then the explosion of you know the George Floyd the Maude Arbery Breonna Taylor all of those things in sequence in that short amount of time blew up my whole process of dismantling not blow it up like shut it down it just made it it exacerbated it that much right Right. It made it that much more important that 
and it made clear it, it brought clarity to what I have been already in the process of is that was trying to understand what the fuck is going on out here in the world? Why are black women, especially black women, being so fuck fucking attacked? We have been, you know, <laughs> doing everything that we can to 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 keep things together for so long. And I'm, yeah. I'm not just like in the in the meetings, but I'm very matriarchal, like a real ass. We keep it all together. Mm-hmm. We keep this country together. We yeah. keep it all together. But what, what, who is it going to keep us? Who's going to be there to keep us together? And then it started to, I started dismantling it from every aspect of, you know, how we depart from racism, how we are here in the throes of this mm-hmm. level of racism. But mm-hmm. then how did we get here? And then is it a matter of how long is it going to take before people can fix these problems? What it only does for me is compel me to move on. And I, I'm ready to get, you know, I'm, I'm ready to bounce. And, and because I love me more than this country can love me back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, um, it got to a point where I'm looking at my own person some choices and relationships and I'm not giving brothers a pass, but I'm going to say that they've been always forthright with me or have wanted to be in a, a position to grow and build with me. So I look at my white boyfriends and holy shit, I look at all the trauma that I went through in those fucking relationships. Then I go, well, you know, it's crazy because as a bisexual black woman, I have so much lesbian trauma from Kansas city. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just throws me in a way that it feels like it's impossible to try to navigate until you start to dismantle and figure out who the fuck you are and follow all of those things that, you know, give you that comfort and give you that, that peace of mind. Cause I know for me, I, I don't trust that we are going to get the justice that these people deserve. I don't think that the trauma is something that I think people we've started to see get addicted to it because they're expecting every single day, a Jacob Blake, uh, a fucking, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're expecting immune. every day something to jar us out yeah. of this thing. And that, that is traumatic. I had, I tell you, it's funny. Cause then I take this approach of like, you know, I'm so silly sometimes, but um, Ahmaud Arbery, I'll tell you this. Uh, after that happened, that shook me. That hurt me. That hurt my heart. Because mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't that we need to investigate to know what happened to this boy. We know that these people did something to this young man that he did not deserve. And we knew it was all race, all racial. But that one hurt. And I found a petition and I sent it to my old roommates and I was like, because I had been making barbecue sauces and I was giving gift bags together and leaving on people's doorstep before all this shit happened during COVID. And then that happened. I found this petition. I sent it up to my old roommates and I didn't hear nothing from them. crickets. Right. But they got a Black Lives Matter mm. rock and shit all up in their front yard, all Woo-hoo. these things. But then Breonna Taylor happened and then George Floyd happened. And then that next weekend, all the protests start. 
But then that Sunday, I'm minding my black ass business. I'm up here reading, listening to music. It's a Sunday. I get a text message from my old roommate. My heart is with you. I'm sorry you're going through all this trauma. Do you need any food or any money or anything? I I stand with you. And I was like, my response, first of all, to that <laughs> was, what's happening? What's going on? Did something happen? <laughs> right. right. Because a minute ago, when I was telling you there is something happening, when I was you didn't out. have nothing to say. But now the world, that's a perfect, that was the most perfect metaphor, but played out in real life. Like, yeah. how long have we Black people have been telling you there's a problem? And then up until everybody else sees it, now you understand it's a problem. And I'm like, oh, right. no, 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 no. And, and, and it, it, it forced me to look at it from that real hard place. I don't want to turn all this love that I have into hatred for a particular group because that's never been a part of my program. But what I can hate is the fact that there is a supremacy that goes with that particular group that needs to stop. Right. I think for me... <laughs> I think the hardest part of it for me is, well, there's two things. One, it's just the very, very obvious, the very, very obvious fact that our our lives are not valued as much. That's the thing for me. Like that, like straight up, like it is everything that you do everything that we see is that the value of our life is less than, you know what I mean? Like I'm talking on some basic shit, basic. We can't even get you to call what it is. Like we can't even get you to say, yes, that was murder. Like before you even, before you even, (laughs) before you charge any motherfucking body, before you charge anybody, before you bring anybody in, you can't even bring yourself to say this woman was murdered. This one was in her fucking bed with her man. You motherfuckers came in, did not announce yourself. This man fired off one shot and y'all lit it up. And the woman's life meant so little that they can't even bring themselves to do the fucking bare minimum. And that is the shit that I have a hard time with. You know what I mean? Like, that's the shit that I'm like, that's the shit that I have, that I feel like we chew on every day. That's the shit. So it's like, you know, all of the, I I am very lucky. And I say this all the time. When I, I, my core group of friends, I don't have to worry about me explaining to them or having difficult conversations when I say I'm tired of white people. When I when I say I have white fatigue, yeah. listen, I love you, sweet pea, but I do not want to see your fucking face right now. I want to be with black people. It doesn't mean I don't love you. 
It doesn't mean that you're not one of my favorite people in the world, but right now, your folks are doing the most. Right. And it's, it's really just by sight. I can't even love <laughs> And I am overwhelmed. <laughs> I am lucky enough yes. to where I am surrounded by right. people that I do not have to explain that to. I don't have to look back at tears and like, nope. They're like counted right. a blessing too, for real. Because I, I feel I, I'm like they, they just go, all right, bitch. Here, she's I'm, all right, bitch. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like <laughs> the only thing. It's like one of the only things that help that helps me is the fact that I have surrounded myself with exceptional people, exceptional white people, and I know that that sounds fucked up, but. I am unwilling to surround myself with mediocre white folks. Sorry about it. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm just not. Cause that's not safe. That's not fake. That's not safe for me. You have to be exceptional, exceptional because I, as a black woman am forced to be exceptional every day. (laughs) I'm expected to go above and beyond just to get the bare minimum. And as we see, we don't often even get that. And so keep me safe. You have to be fucking exceptional and you have to understand that, yes, it's great for you to check in on me when things are blowing up and you can put a hashtag and you can put a sign in your fucking yard and you can do all the things that make you look good. But bitch, I also need you to check on me when it's a random fucking Thursday (laughs) and I can't get my black ass out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, and you know, like, because we've, we've held on to this notion. Everybody thinks we're so strong, right? And right. there's nothing that you can, you're so, but you're so strong. You're like, no, bitch, I'm weak. I'm actually kind of weak. In fact, I'm so fucking weak. I do need somebody to help me pull me up. Like that right. is because this notion that you are supposed to carry every fucking body's burden. They do it to us in the movies, so people think that's how we yep. are. <laughs> yeah, and the complex is real. But I just, you know, I I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment one thousand percent because I do trust that there are good white people in this world. Right. Shit, my daughter, she's white. Her daughter, right. her her father's white. You know, right. um, that doesn't make me lo- love her less or any less or anything. Regardless, mm-hmm. it is a notion that because if you are white then you have all the rights and that is not yes. the way that is the thing exactly. you may believe that you can accept that as your truth and a reality because in some parts of the world and like we talk about in the, even in the country you know you you may not experience some things as intensely as you will in other places but you know it's just <laughs> It, it just blows my mind sometimes how people really get behind this notion. And I don't know, I, I, I kind of, I, I have some, some very strong feelings about that. About, about, about what? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, out here I get in, I don't go into politics with anybody. Right. So what okay. I, my, my fuse is the oppression Olympics. Mm. Don't, don't do me just because I say black lives matter, but then again, all of these things that black and blah, blah, blah. Right. Listen, I keep repeating this, but I, I know I can't even remember who said it. It was not me. I did not make this up. Somebody else said this and I got a bad memory. So forgive me, but someone told me 
that nobody owns suffering. All of it can exist at the same time. So like no one's suffering is worse than anybody. Nobody, like nobody is, nobody's got it worse. If you're not an old rich white man, your life probably is not awesome all the time, nigga. Like that's just how it is. And, and yes, sometimes it's tiered. And because I for sure, sure as fuck feel at the bottom of the barrel a lot. Yeah. Well, a lot. Yeah. But like the oppression Olympics, like I'm, I, you can say that Black Lives Matter and children should be in cages and indigenous people, like all of these things coexist at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, one it's does not, there. Yeah. one does not negate the other. Yeah. So I hear you. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, and it, it, that part to me is what's frustrating. And I forget who it is. This is a professor um, at Princeton who studied Baldwin. And he 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 has this most beautiful quote because this is the place that I'm I'm at finally with and I use it as a mantra, fuck white supremacy, because it is the supremacy of that ideology that keeps us uh and he has this beautiful quote where he says, you know, every time that this nation tries to give birth to newness, the supremacy, the umbilical cord of white supremacy supremacy strangles it chokes out and so he says we have to be responsible midwives to give birth to i'll send you the quote it's beautiful yes please please because it, 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 it wraps everything up because until we are actually there, there's always going to be levels of benefit to this thing called racism, right? Yeah. But we can yeah. always tie it back to slavery. And unless you are a person who, you know, I don't, I don't like going into the, but my people didn't do this and there's nobody here. And then this is, let's face facts. We were never taught the right history of any fucking thing when it regard when it's in relationship to who we are as a people. But we do know that in any fucking facet that you turn, whether it be science, politics, entertainment, uh, everywhere, we are there. Case in point, I used to do this when I'm, this is me. This was, I was already in this process before this happened, where I would talk to people, new people that I would meet and say, now let me ask you, would you assume that population of this country will be made up of half black and half white people and surprisingly you know who people our age you know what they would say they were like yeah it's half the population of uh, americans are black and what? half the population of white black and white people what wait and i would say this is as recent as a year ago this is as recent as this year Nikki, I'm not lying to you and i started doing this three years ago when i moved back to kansas city and i was like yeah this is wild because no wonder we have such a misconception of people in their perception. When I would tell people there is only really 45 million black people in America, they were like, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, yeah, are you fucking serious? So but because we permeate every you couldn't go to the moon without us. OK, the park is everywhere. We, we're I'm fucking everywhere. everywhere. Everything that we've ever touched, we've turned it into something viable. It ain't like we over here being some shiftless Negroes and we can't ever get our shit together. No, you can't do your shit without us doing our shit. So it appears to me that we've done all the shit that we can and we need to let them have this bullshit and take our asses and go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I wish everybody could see the hand motion that you just did. <laughs> Round it up. Let's, Let's get go. it. 
No, because no. I mean, half a fucking millennia, Nikki, for real. Half a millennia, we keep proving our worthiness. I can't even show up to a, a space without people just on general looking at me different and fearing me when there are more of y'all than there are me. I need to be fearing you. Fuck this shit. I'm ready to go. Give me my money. It will be some <laughs> memories. I'll be like, yo, America, that was a doozy, but we survived. Ooh, I'm a living artifact. I know that I can take myself anywhere in the world and talk about my black American woman experiences. Okay. And I love that thing that people used to do to me all the time. They'd be like, well, where would you go? Where would you go? There's racism everywhere. There's racism everywhere. I'm like, I know, but you know, America got a different kind of brand of racism. Though, okay. Oh. They, they, oh. Open. I don't like that. I just- Race- Mary- <laughs> oh my gosh. So, the- oh, fuck. I wish I had a better memory. The amount, the brand of racism in America yeah. is so fucking. Okay. it's 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 so it it's rife with entitlement it's entitlement it's 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 like i just i'm better than you so i deserve more than you you're less than me you know what i mean versus like you're different and i don't understand you know what i mean like it there are people that i have met in my life that are when i i'm talking crackheads you know what i'm saying like i'm talking (laughs) And 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 but trust and believe this comes from a place of love. I got crackheads in my family, but when you understand when people that are at their lowest, you telling me that you live in a house with dirt floors, you smoke crack every day, whatever it is the fuck that you're doing, and you're looking down on me because I'm black. Like that there's there's this hate that is strictly because they think they are better, versus just like you're different and I and I don't understand. And I think that, I think that like, you know, you start talking about Muslim people or, you know, um, Middle Eastern people, Persian people, Iranian people, Iraqi people, like that's fear-based racism. It's like, I've been told that you're evil and you're bad because of every movie I've ever seen. So that's why I don't like you. I don't like you because I'm afraid of you. And I don't know. You start talking about you know, Asian people, you know, that, that kind of racism, that kind of racism to me, is like, I don't understand you. And so I don't like you, (laughs) you're different. But when you start talking about like indigenous people, Mexican people or Latinx people and black people, that is a strictly like, I am better than you. Even when I'm at my worst, I am better than you. And And that is where racism in America is different. No, and I agree. It's a different kind of brand. I think because we have been the scapegoat, you the the black man did it has been the dog ate my homework for however many fucking years. I don't know. (laughs) I mean I'm still in that. You should. You should (laughs) but in my life, you know, it's like how many times can that always be the constant Mm -hmm. until it's just ingrained as it's normal? I was telling somebody the other day, I was re I revisited To Kill a Mockingbird and I have a lot of friends in the literary world in publishing that, you know, I told them, I say things like, you know, that was a blueprint when we were forced to read that in middle school of how white women can weaponize their whiteness. And I went to a school predominantly white people. So I can say that they, they tested it out on me, of course. And, you know, those things that now that we see have become rife in our culture, it's rife because just being black and existing (laughs) 
(laughs) Just leave me alone. And when I tell people, I say, well, I'd rather be black, right? This version of black. I don't want to be no version of black that doesn't belong to this version of black. I can take this version of black with me wherever I go in the world and people not fear that. And because you, we have had so much of that for over half, almost half a fucking millennia in this country. It ain't gonna change with a couple of policies. It ain't gonna it ain't gonna change with a couple more presidents. I'm in my 40s. My mother celebrated her 85th birthday this summer. She ain't gonna see it in her lifetime. So I'll be damned. And that's the sadness because of there's this sickness, this crazy sickness. It in is this a country. sickness. It's I had this conversation with someone online the other day. Um, because, uh, the conversation was, you know, Bill Cosby got put in jail in his eighties for things that he did years and years ago, you know, as he should, you don't be drugging, but you just, you don't do that. Nigga. That's right. So the debate here is not whether or not Bill Cosby should be in jail. That's not the debate. The woman that got Emmett Till killed came out as an 80 year old. Oh, I made it all up. I made it all up. That boy never said anything to me. He never winked at me. He never touched me. So what I want to know is if we can put 80-year-old Bill Cosby in jail for his crimes, where's 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 grandma's crime at? <laughs> where's right. grandma's jail time? Where's right. grandma's jail time? Because you, that got a 14-year-old boy murdered for no reason. Not just, <laughs> and that's the other thing. Not just murdered. Like, like the, and I won't even go through all of the things because you know what? You should be educated and you should know. If you don't know all of the things that happened to Emmett Till, do yourself a favor and go look it up because of the word of this white woman who has now come out later, says she lied. Mm -hmm. Because of her word, go look at the things that they did to this 14 year old boy. Little boy, a child. A boy, a child at her word. And so here we are, fast forward. And because she old as fuck, you don't think that she should have some sort of, some sort of fucking accountability. Her guilt is not a fucking enough. It's enough. The fact that she says she feels bad and she feels guilty. It's not enough, bitch. It's not enough. Where's her accountability? You going to put 80 year old rapist ass Cosby in jail where he should be. Put her ass in jail. Right. That. And and the woman that I was arguing with, like, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. I'm like, she should be accountable. She should be accountable. Why can't she be an accessory to murder? Why can't, because if her ass was black, they'd be looking for something. They'd be looking. They'd Straight be looking up. for something. Straight so up. where is the justice? Where is it? You know what I mean? So it's like, it's so ingrained and it's, so spread throughout our country and it's so spread throughout our history and it's so involved that I don't see it I just don't see it fucking changing I don't because every time we think we get in the break they pull another black person out of a car for no you know what I mean like every time I'm like I feel a little bit too settled What's going on? <laughs> I, I feel right. a strange sense of calm and peace. That's happening. <laughs> Something well, happens. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, no, you're black. It's okay. <laughs> we, we live in two different Americas. And it's true because there is the US of A and then there is America. 
And I think the place that people like to think it is, is a fairy tale fantasy called America. Yeah. The United States of America is this other place that we, that have to navigate these, the world in this, and we say the world because the South is different from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. The Midwest is different from the West coast. The East coast is different from the North. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, it is its own fucking world in a large respect. And so mm-hmm. if you are able to find your way and navigate, like my girl, Janelle Monae says, she goes, America, you a lie. <laughs> <laughs> because i mean you can't if you if you if you keep changing the you you tell me this is where we start in the race and at this place is where the finish line is and you keep changing the motherfucking finish line you keep moving the distance you keep pushing it then you've already told me ain't nothing it it ain't made for me it ain't nothing gonna be fair for you and so if you want to keep playing this game that's on you you go ahead and play this game we're gonna keep take 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 all we want I can testify this, that it's been time for me to go. Because, baby, I had to move to Texas for a black man to see me and say (laughs) that I'm beautiful, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, I deserve love. I said, wow, black man, it's been at least 15 years since any other black man has (laughs) told me anything like (laughs) y'all. Listen, I, it, (sighs) woof. My difficult history <laughs> with black men is no secret. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say that. I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to say that first of all. My difficult history with black men has been no secret. You know, the way I've been treated by black men specifically has definitely affected and altered my identity a lot in my life. I am ashamed to say just trying to bend myself so that I can be somebody that a black man sees as good enough. And I want to be the queen. I want to be picked as his queen. You know what I'm saying? My relationship with black men in my life has been tumultuous for sure. I know that a lot of that is because of where I am. And a lot of it is because I'm in Austin or in Texas or in the South. But then I start meeting other places that I'm seeing like, okay, it's, it, you know, it, it's all about, (laughs) sometimes it's about where you are. Sometimes it's not. I will also say though, in my opinion, there are few things as beautiful as a black man. In my opinion, black men are the reason, one of the main reasons that a bitch like me is a bisexual person (laughs) or a pansexual. I can, I, my, there is a visceral attraction to black men that I cannot ignore or deny. When I think about beauty, when I think about the standard, that's what I picture. That's what I picture. When I think about what the standard is, I picture black. I picture black men. I picture black women. And being with a black person has not been and does not seem to be in the cards for me. You know what wow. I mean? And oh, I feel you. And it is not, it is not, it is not due to not trying. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, your bitches mm. try. I have tried every <laughs> angle, Jesus. I've tried every angle, Jesus. And oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> look, 
I have tried every angle. It just, it has not worked for me. And I, and I think that, you know, a lot of it, some, you know, of course I, I'm sure I have culpability in it in some sort of way. I think the fact that trying to have black love at my age in America is also difficult. You know what I mean? Right now, the person that I'm with is a white woman and I adore her. She lives in Canada. So when you talk about leaving, I'm like, look here. <laughs> this is what it looks like. If shit don't change, I'm taking my ass to Canada. And if for some reason, if for some reason, knock on wood that this is not the case, because, you know, I, my, my little Canadian is adorable. But like, if for some reason that don't work, I'd be lying if I didn't think I'd take myself somewhere else, another country. I see all these people going to Tanzania and finding and finding lives in Tanzania, like all these beautiful young black people going back to Africa and just like trying it out, going to to the UK, going to all these different places, yeah. just trying to find love in a yeah. place that is better suited for their happiness and their survival because it does not always seem like the US is that place. You know, it's I and when I say stuff like that, you know, I always feel like I have to be like, I'm not, that doesn't mean I don't think that other people are whatever. That's everybody's I, you know me. I'm team I know, yeah. It looks equal opportunity I'm, lover like me. Look, I'm like <laughs> my friends tease me. They're like, girl, if you were single, we would buy you a shirt that says anybody can get it. Because that look, I'm an equal opportunity. I'm it's equal straight. opportunity hoe. That's that's, tr- I, like, that's straight. That's straight up. Because there, here's the thing: this is what the beauty of being single for me has been. Because anytime that I've gotten in a relationship, when they when those relationships have ended, is usually because of a deficiency, right? But yeah. the way that they end is like ill, and I'll be yeah. like, "How? No." Wait a minute. And so, and those are from all over the spectrum. They're white, they're black, they're, you know, male, they're female. And I think, you know, for me is I often go back to one of my really good friends told me, she goes, you know, I was having a rough time about relationships in general and just like, God, you know, I just can't find somebody and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, well, you know, you never stop to think about this, but you are the most, you are the common denominator in all of these relationships. Yep. And whatever yep. you are, you know, you you're putting out there that's not getting what you feel you deserve in return. Stop putting it out there. And I said, right. oh, okay, all right, all right. Well, let me. And then here's what this was a kick though. I ain't getting nothing in return. <laughs> stop putting it out there. That, listen, I what <laughs> that is the realest shit. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I was like, okay, that not. The, the person that I'm with, the woman that I'm with right now, before her, I was with someone else who I, she was great, but it just wasn't like, I cared about her and I wanted her to be in my life, but it wasn't, it just never came together. And I'm like, and you know, of course it didn't work. And so then I found myself asking this question, like, why do you keep finding yourself in these relationships that you know, at the end, no, they wasn't going to work. Like, what are you putting out? What are you putting out? And so fast forward, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking around on Tinder. And the minute that I'm like, you know what? I'm done. This is too much work. This is too much work. It's too much work to not find somebody that I even like. Like half the time, I'm not even finding people I like. It's just like, I'm like, well, I'm bored. I'll talk to you. Yeah. 
which is what gets me in trouble in the first <laughs> place. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's that common denominator. <laughs> there it is. Anybody shows the slightest bit of interest in you, you're like, all right, you'll do. <laughs> like, that's not how people want to be chosen. You know what I mean? Right, right. And along comes this Canadian, and I'm like, I mean, damn. <laughs> All right, this will work. And I tried to fuck it up as much as I could in the beginning. I like, I feel, I just, I feel like anytime I'm in a relationship and it's difficult, whether they last or not, you know what I mean? Like, those are always the times that at the end, no, they never last. So at the end, (laughs) I'm like, oh, you knew that. You knew that. You did the same thing again. You did the, it's just, so it's like you're saying, it's that culpability. Like you are the, I am the common denominator. Right. So what, so what is it? What, like, what, <laughs> when am I going to figure this shit out? <laughs> when am I going to figure this shit out? Like stop contorting yourself to like, yeah. what, what do you, it's, but it's, it's hard. Cause you know it what? Is. This just in, y'all, like, being with a Black woman, <laughs> being with a Black woman is difficult because, and and not, now, let me, let listen up. <laughs> in my opinion, when you're with a Black woman, you are with, and this is going to sound, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but fuck it, I've had wine, so I don't care. Um, let the wine speak. <laughs> We are always expected, like you said earlier, when you give the Black woman, you're getting with someone more than likely who has spent her entire life holding it together and taking care of other people and making life easier for other people and being a matriarch in some sort of way, whether it's to her friends, her past partners, whatever, in some sort of way, this woman, and and really most women in general, this could be said for most women in general, but specifically Black women, there is an expectation of, there's an expectation of nurturing that is put on Black women that is unfair and it's dangerous. So when you get with a black woman, you're getting with someone who more than likely (laughs) is going to be tired of your shit before you even show what your shit is. You know, like for lack of a better way to say it, like you are going to have to prove yourself to be someone that can, that she can be vulnerable with, but that can, that you can also hold your own. She does not want another child, somebody to take care of. It's like, there are so many things. And the older this black woman is, the more she has gotten used, the more self-sufficient she probably is. And so when I say it's difficult, I mean, you cannot come with no bullshit. You just can't. She's, she's, she, she, you, you can't, you cannot. Yeah. You cannot bring your I, A game and your bring your A game. <laughs> I am a hard fucking nut to crack because I am more and more unwilling to accept mediocrity. Like yeah. I'm, I'm just, I've already done it. Yeah, I've already done the bare minimum. I've already done the not communicating. I've already done the detachment. I've, I've already done that, and I, and I'm not perfect. I come with a host of issues. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But you, your imperfection is going to be the thing that, you know, that we, 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 as women, this is another thing that, you know, we have so much trauma that we have to heal 
from yes. before we can heal ourselves. Because we hold on to so many things, these ideas of what we're supposed to be and what people think that we are versus this thing that we show ourselves to be and take that for truth. Uh, and, and, and people wanting us to be something that we're not to, to make them feel, you know, complete or whole. Yes. All of these somersaults and then gymnastics and going back and forth. I'm me. And if you can't accept me for me, then leave me the fuck alone. Leave me the fuck alone. Cause I ain't got a time. And if you, if you have all this time, I always tell people up front, this is what I'm all about. If I'm dating a man and I tell him, Hey, I'm bisexual. Um, and I got good credit. I do my own shit. <laughs> I got jobs right. and all this other thing. I don't depend on you for any of those things emotionally. I am secure emotionally. That's why I'm at a place to open myself up emotionally to you person. And then to have them hit me back with, not only do we never talk about my sexuality, even though I put it out there, maybe there's an expectation that if we were to talk about that, that's only to benefit you. That's right. not for me. Right. right. This is me give, presenting myself to you. And what you see out of that is something to, for your benefit. Then that yeah. lessens me as a person. You are not right. really taking me on as a whole ass person. And so, yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a weird ass thing to navigate, but especially as a woman, you know, we're expected to be soft. And if we're too masculine, then we're too this and if we're too that. It's exhausting. It's so funny because I was, when my, with my, the, my girlfriend's name is Sid. So when we were first getting to know each other, I, I said something fly, like I said something, I don't know, some smart ass. And it was coming from a place of like, keeping myself guarded you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and and it was but it was also just like a typical Nikki talking shit because that's what I do I talk shit and I immediately (laughs) started to go I'm sorry and she goes oh no I don't need you to babysit me this is how you get to know each other and I was like oh all right white girl okay Okay." (laughs) and 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 she and then she looked and she's like listen yeah she was like look she goes I'm not here for you to babysit i'm not some fragile white person that you gotta handle with kid gloves i know like i don't know everything but i will educate (laughs) myself and i'm willing to learn and i'm willing to figure it out and just somebody in that moment being able to be like yeah yeah bitch i can see that you're difficult (laughs) but (laughs) i got it i acknowledge (laughs) i acknowledge You don't have to tone it down. I see it. <laughs> In fact, that's what I really like about you. So right. you just keep that together. This right. is going to go great. <laughs> right. Which just doesn't happen. It's, yeah. it's, like, we're it's, t- it's like, it's like you said, like as women, there's my therapist said something to me that this shit just fucked me up and I keep repeating it because I love it. But she yeah. said, as women, all women, we are, we, from the time that we're young girls, we are made responsible for the failings of men. We are made responsible for men not being able to keep their shit together. So like, don't sit in this person's lap. Don't wear this. Don't do this. Make sure that once you start getting boobs, you do this. We are taught from a very young age to bend and contort because men can't help themselves and they can't and they they can't be expected we have like from the time that we are children and so it's no wonder 
<laughs> like it, it's so deeply ingrained yeah. that we don't know until we get to our adult. We're like, why the fuck am I like this? <laughs> but that therapy helps you have them breakthroughs. Cause I'm telling you, like you said it, that's one way as women, but we do that. But think about what we do to each other. We, we have to please everybody. Think of it mm-hmm. like this. Be like, Hey girl, I'm gonna call you. Oh no, it's okay. Don't worry about that. I got this to do. Oh no, don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no, 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 no. Before we even made the whole ass plan. It was like, we was about to do this with each other, but then we got so busy trying to make sure that the other person didn't feel like, (laughs) you know, and then there's this back and forth going back and forth. And I said, we as women do that. It is like something ingrained in us. So we have to start dismantling those things. That's a part of self-love. That's a part of self-care. That's a part of re-identifying ourselves because we reinvent ourselves. We have to reimagine the the people we forgot who we were. I mean, I love that. I love that. Just dismantling this. And just, I think I might, I just love that. The idea of just like dismantling, dismantling all this bullshit that we've just been dealing with and piling on and, and things that have been a part of us for so long that we don't even like not, we don't even see it anymore. You know it's what I mean? So like second nature. We don't, it's, I right, we don't see it. I find myself apologizing a lot, which is weird. I don't know if I've always done it, but I'm just now, I'm just, and not, and not to strangers, but like my, my people for some reason, not to strangers. Cause I don't, I don't in general terms, give a fuck about strangers, but like <laughs> to my people, I find myself apologizing a lot so much. So that the other day, like also like a couple of weeks ago, my roommate was like, why are you apologizing? Like what? what do you, what is, and I I had to like, it's like, why am I, but it's that thing. It's like always trying to be, oh, is it? it, Yeah. You want to make sure everyone is okay with your company, your presence and your, yeah, we do that. And it's, it's almost, it's, it's in a way, my daughter, who's going to be 20 in uh, January, uh, going to therapy with her, she invited me to come to her therapy sessions. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, because she tells me everything any fucking way, which I don't yeah. want to always know. <laughs> People were like, oh, I hope me and my daughter are really close. And I'd be like, uh, be careful. <laughs> so like my sister, my sister's like, I don't need to know everything. I, I don't need to know everything. Mystery, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but my daughter's cool. And, you know, going to therapies with her uh, really kind of helped me see things differently because of just in those, you know, those things that we do as women. Yeah. That we 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 know if we know that we're consciously doing it, we know that we're doing it to serve a larger purpose. We never mm-hmm. look at it as something that's really self-serving because these are all things that are conditional. Like like you were saying about if if you don't sit on so and so's lap or yeah. you know, make sure that your skirt is always this length or more mm-hmm. because men can control themselves. But we're not teaching young men how to not be like that. Right. You know, if you see a little girl, right. don't pull on. Because then the thing was, it's like, oh, well, if this little boy is being physically violent with you, it really means he likes he you. He likes you. Fuck mm-hmm. that. That nigga, he punched me in the eye. <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to fight back, but I did. You know? Right. <laughs> but if you're taught and you're ingrained to be subordinate to abuse, 
who do you think is going to protect you when you stand up for yourself, when you right. defend yourself with everybody around you has told you this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, it is. It is. I think that, you know, the thing that I, you know, the, the, one of the reasons when I originally started doing fat bottom cabaret, I like, honestly, you know, my main thing was just like, I want to give women power. I want to give women power. I want you to feel powerful and beautiful and fucking fierce and phenomenal and amazing because I feel like in so much of our lives, our power is taken away or it's snuffed out or it's, you know, there's a cap put on it. Right. And of course now that's grown to like, I want to give everybody power. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give everybody power. Oh, everybody. Look under your chair. You get power. You get power. You get power. Your body is beautiful. Your body, like, you know, but like that is literally was, it was really kind of my drive. It's just like giving that power back and and especially women of color, women for me, I was just like, we need, sometimes we got to sell fuel. We just do. You know what I mean? Like, Man, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, we got to self fuel because they'll take shit from us. Things are taken from us, but then it's turned on its ear, and it's like that's not that's not pretty. But this is pretty, and you're like, but wait, the only difference is, is that she's yeah. black of color. So right. it's like everything is shown. Like if you if your body looks like this, it's not enough. If you're this dark, blah blah, just like. So so it's just like this. We came up in the same era where there was a time where it was unpopular to have a fat ass. It was like, oh, you had a big ass. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm like, wait a minute. When I was little and I had this this bubble ass, people were trying to hide my bubble ass, and now everybody want my bubble ass. Ain't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? Or, or hey, I've been wearing I've been wearing weaves since fucking junior high, and I was this was in the '90s, bro. And they're like, oh, you know, it's like oh my god I remember when I was a little kid I remember I was lucky with my mom my mom was 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 very just like yeah gonna wear that see what happens you know like like (laughs) within reason but you know I remember older women in my family being like you have too much butt to wear shorts right because the the way people are gonna because yeah like you have six uncles you can't have those shorts on. And I'm like, I'm five. And so <laughs> I should and be why able. why are these grown ass men looking at my ass anyway? I should be able to wear the fuck I want And wait wear. a minute, women. I... Why, why are we shielding the little girls to protect them from the men that's supposed to be protecting them? Yeah. I so, don't like none of it. <laughs> I, throw it all the way, bitch. Throw it all the way. So... Well, I want to close with something really specific. So I want to, (laughs) like, I, because, you know, we've kind of been all over the place, which is what I wanted, because I really just want us to have a conversation. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) But um, I want to circle back to just like women, specifically, you know, you can do either all women in general, you can do women of color. Um, If there's like an overall message that you would impart on women, you know, going through COVID, going through, especially with the election coming up, you know, it's about to be some bullshit. Oh, yeah. you know, like, you know, you know, 
you know, Trump is just fucking terrible. And so like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this motherfucker could win by a landslide and he'll still fuck some shit up. Like, I just can't trust anything about him. Yeah, uh, but, you know, they're actively trying to take rights away, blah, 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 especially for women. Like, with the way the world is now, with the way the US, I guess I should say, is now, is there any kind of like overall message or overall, you know, thing that you use for yourself that you would impart on women to make shit just a little bit more fucking bearable <laughs> well first of all i would say talk to nikki devon as much as possible because <laughs> i mean just for sure just sheer enjoyment <laughs> just comic relief just listening to you laugh gives me joy so <laughs> that would be my number one recommendation for the, oh my God. the year 2020 and right on through the 2021 uh oh, <laughs> no you're you were a joy, and I'm so glad that we Thank we've you. stayed in contact, even though we're not always in constant contact. But we see in each other's spaces, and um, I keep up with you. And uh, thank you for doing this, and thank you for inviting me to do this. Thank you for being here, man. man. I'm so I'm so excited. Like, anyways, man, we got more we got more things to cover. We got more we got more to cover. things. Yeah, but for for that, I will say, you know, what I would leave off telling anybody who's listening to your beautiful voice and this wonderful podcast and coming here for uh, <laughs> for inspiration <laughs> and information as well um you know if they hear this i i would say that you know do the most that you can to protect your energy during this time and by protecting your energy it means breathing it means putting out good intentions on the world, not just for yourself, but most importantly for others. Because this is a very unique time that I don't think a lot of people have ever experienced before. And right. it's, a high, it's, it's, it's a highly sensitive time because we have so many things simultaneously happen. And so for that, we know we can't fix all of these things. We know that we can bring attention and focus to those things to evoke some changes. And that's what I really hope. Um, but for us, and especially Black women, for all women, but for particularly Black women right now, is we have to continue to lift each other up. We have yeah. to continue to support each other's endeavors. We have to continue to send out good vibrations. We have to continue to believe in the possibility of a better future. Right. And because we have been those people that have been driving those forces, shit, my, my car, her name is Barbara Jordan. That's yes. all real. But <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, having those moments that we can, we can share and, and can keep our light bright, but protecting our energy is the biggest thing. Right. I love that. I love that. I, and I agree. Like I, um, that has been a really big deal for me too. Just like being very, very honest about how much energy I have yeah, and keeping most of that for myself. So, right. you know right. what I mean? Like, so, which has made me have to be very picky about yeah. what I do with what's left over. And honestly, most of that goes to my family. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, protect your energy. Yeah. And I also am going to second again, just bringing up what you said before, dismantle, 
Oh my God. Like oh, just yeah. it's all, work. The bad, all the bad habits. It's work. It's worth it. It is, man. It's brought <laughs> me to some good revelations about myself and, and about where I want to go and, and really forging a destiny and a path. I think I've watched Beyonce do the Blackest King. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that only... Yeah, I've watched it so much. And then on that Antebellum tip, too. If you haven't watched Antebellum, watch it. Oh, we'll I have to watch it. I have to watch it. I will send you $20 so you can watch it on me. So oh, my God. I got to watch, watch it. it. I watch it. Oh it's my God, so sorry. good. We should have watched. We should have talked about Black is King at the beginning. Oh, my God. I ugh, I had to watch it back to back because the first time I watched it. Oh, so I didn't have Disney Plus this wonderful person named Sarah, Sarah Ortiz Shields. Hey girl. Was like, Hey bitch, do you want my Disney plus? So you can see Black King. I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. That is what an ally looks at. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I watched it the first time. I fucking cried the entire time. So then I had to watch it again. <laughs> I was like, all right, bitch, get it together. Get it together. Cause you just find your way back. I found my way back. I'm about to do it, girl. I'm going. Oh my God. I have, no, it was I just, beautiful. It was absolutely oh, gorgeous, breathtaking, yeah. but inspiring. And and so it reminded me, yes, of course, we do have options. We've always had a story. And as much as we can love this country and love it for what it is. You you're never gonna get me to a place where if it doesn't give back to what we have given, it's never gonna be enough. And no. that is where I'm at. Damn. Okay. <laughs> I love you, and I'm so glad that I'm you so glad. came on. I want. Can you tell? Do you want to tell people again where yeah. they can find you and all that good Absolutely. stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so over here on Instagram, I'm at Queen Luther Palace. Uh, I am the original creator making cocktails, pillows, earrings. Um, I'm going to have my own brand of pre-rolls pretty soon in 2021. So we're looking out for that. I'm a sativa nista. Uh, we too. smoke a lista. So... <laughs> <laughs> all day every day but no that's where i'm at um queen luther palace on instagram and yes and just hanging out being my regular regular self yes (laughs) okay i think we will also put that in the show notes um being i want to thank you so much for being here i love you so much everybody uh thank you for listening you can find me on instagram and facebook at nikki vaughn you can support me in my work on patreon the link is in the show notes give me some time to put some more shit on there Uh, (laughs) make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and if you're enjoying the show leave me a five-star review on apple Podcasts and tell me a little bit uh, about why you think i'm so amazing or why you like the podcast um my name is nikki devon this has been fat and black in texas you are fucking awesome see you next time